Welcome to On Mike with Jordan Rich. There are many wonderful things about living and working in the New England area. There's the history, culture, education, and of course, science. Now more than ever, we are turning to those in the life sciences for help with pressing health-related issues, certainly finding treatments and a vaccine for COVID-19 at the top of our list. But this region boasts thousands of hardworking people in many varied sectors, making our entire healthcare system work and work better. So today, I'm very happy to welcome Robert Coughlin to my podcast. He's the president and CEO of the Massachusetts Biotechnology Council, representing the best of global life sciences and healthcare with more than 1,300 members who are dedicated to preventing, treating, and curing diseases. Bob has served in both the private and public sectors. He was Undersecretary of Economic Development, working with Governor Deval Patrick. Prior to that, he was elected to the state legislature for three terms. He's worked in several executive positions in environmental services, capital management, and venture capital industries. Bob is also dedicated to giving back to the community. He's a tireless volunteer with a number of organizations, such as the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Now, as you're about to hear, Bob is passionate about life sciences as an industry. He works with some amazing people, and he has some encouraging news about the fight against the coronavirus. So, Bob Coughlin with the Massachusetts Biotech Council, I invite you now to join me as we go on mic. You've got a pretty impressive array of members. Why don't we start with that? Give us a sense, an overview of what kind of membership we're talking about here. The Jordan Mass Bio represents... Uh, everybody who is included in the life sciences ecosystem here in Massachusetts, from all the way from academic medical centers that do amazing NIH research, uh, the venture capitals that venture capital firms that fund that science and turns them into companies. We represent small companies, medium companies, large companies, all the way to the largest pharma companies in the world, whether they're located here in Massachusetts or not, they're part of the Massachusetts Biotechnology Council. So when we call this the hub for this kind of thing, we're not kidding. This is really a center point in the nation for this kind of industry. No, Massachusetts has become in the last decade undisputed the best place in the world for the life sciences industry. And what does life sciences cover, Bob? Because it's a pretty broad subject. Yeah, I mean, in the old days, it was really just biotech, okay? And we were really uh, the East Coast hub of the biotech industry because of companies like Genzyme and Biogen and Millennium that were around in the beginning of time. But you look at how we have evolved. We represent biotech companies, pharmaceutical companies, device companies. The life sciences industry is totally different than just inventing a large molecule drug or a biologic. I mean, look look what we're, where we're going as it relates to digital health and wearables. And, you know, a lot of that is a result of what our natural resource is here in Massachusetts, which is talent, smart people. Looking at the website, massbio.org, and you can get lost. There's so much information there. But I was looking at some of the partners. It's, it's not just, you say, lab coat people, people of all stripes pitching in to try to help us motivate and navigate these uh, issues, these challenges. Yeah. For example, for example if you're not a life sciences company, yet you're, 
you have a life sciences practice or you want to service or sell into the life science industry, law firms, accounting firms, service providers, you know, their lifeblood here in Massachusetts has become the life sciences industry. So those associate members are also part of the community and chip in to ensure that we can continue to be the best place in the world for this industry. Well, you're in a position, Bob, as the CEO to really get a sense of the pulse of activity when it comes to trying to find a cure, trying to find a vaccine for the current pandemic, which is on everybody's mind. What's your take on how the Massachusetts Alliance is coming together and what can we look forward to? Should we be optimistic? Yeah, I I mean, we should be very optimistic. You know, our our primary job at MassBio is to ensure that industry, academia, and government all work in a true partnership. And if you do that, you can solve any problem. I mean, let's go back to uh, the late 2000s when when we decided, you know, it was around 2007 that we decided we wanted to become the best place in the world for this industry. That's when government really stepped up here in Massachusetts and created the $1 billion 10-year life science initiative. And I am so grateful today that our partners in government really came to the table and said, let's work with academia and industry so that we can become better at this industry. Because today is when we realize we really need it. If we're going to solve this COVID-19 crisis, you know, Jordan, I never thought even six months ago, or, you know, I never thought that I could sit here and say to you that the most important thing to the world's economy and to people, uh, you know, to be safe and healthy would be a vaccine. I mean, did you think we would be saying that? I didn't, and I work in the industry. So to think that the only way out of this problem that we're in right now is science, and here we are sitting in the central nervous system of the best place in the world for science, that is a good reason to be optimistic because the right. progress has been rapid. Just think of the Charles River. Everybody knows that. You look over to the right or the left, depending on what side of the road you're on, and you see the MIT structure and you see Cambridge and all of the buildings and all the infrastructure. This all comes together. But I wanted to follow up on what you said. It's not just the lab coats and the science and the research, but it's also the academics and the and the institutions we have and the hospitals, cutting edge research. So it's all coming together as a, as a unit here. Yeah, absolutely. And that collaboration now, I've been on board at MassBio for over 13 years now, and the collaboration that I am seeing right now today as we speak is better than it's ever been. And it's, you know, the current environment is forcing us, the situation is forcing us to do better. When you look at the fact that we have 122 colleges and universities in Massachusetts, you couple that with the fact that we're home to five of the top six NIH funded hospitals, academic medical centers in the country, and then the critical mass of over 1,300 member companies now at MassBio, and to see them all working together. Let, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about how the life sciences industry in Massachusetts is playing an outsized role mm. in this pandemic, right? Please, please. We have over 80 companies in Massachusetts right now that are working on either tests, treatments, or vaccines for COVID-19. We're clearly the leader in this space and we are going to be the ones that get us out of this pandemic. 
you know, and, and they're not all big companies. The majority of those companies are small to mid-sized biotechs that really make up the backbone of the cluster that we have here in Massachusetts. And Bob, it's so easy for pundits to say, well, they're all scratching at each other to be the first and all that. We know there's a sense of competition, but you have told audiences, and that's why I've invited you here, that there's a sense of cooperation that you haven't seen in quite some time. Many of us haven't seen in industry. Just talk a little bit about what you're noticing in terms of the cooperation. and Yeah, I mean, for anybody to say, oh, that this is competition or these companies are in it to make money, they're full of baloney, all right? Because there isn't money in vaccines. I mean, we've we've dropped the ball as it relates as, uh, you know, from a capitalistic standpoint and a partnership with government standpoint to, to invent vaccines. That's why it, we're, we're in the situation we're in. But that's a topic for another podcast. But let me just set the stage here. OK, I came to this industry not because I wanted to. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But I came to this industry because 18 years ago, over 18 years ago, my wife and I found out that we were going to have a child with cystic fibrosis. Okay. It was horrible. I'm the type of person that not being a doctor and not being a scientist, what could I do to help this little beautiful baby boy that we brought into the world stay alive? I figured I'd get involved with the industry, raise money, get involved with policy, try to change how we do business here so that my son had a better likelihood of living. Let's fast forward 18 years. Okay. Thank God he's alive today. We didn't think he's going to be graduating from Dedham High School on Saturday. We didn't know that this day would come. So, I mean, this is a blessing. I'm filled with gratitude because on November 8th, just 2019, you know, just late last year, a drug was finally invented that's keeping him alive. We were running out of time. So it took 18 years and over $13 billion to invent a drug that works for my kid with cystic fibrosis. Now, people, this pandemic comes. And people say, oh, my goodness, um, why does it take so long to invent a vaccine? Well, normally it takes five to 15 years if you're lucky enough to invent a vaccine. But we don't have that sort of time. So we got to flip it on its head. Every single one of these companies is doing it because they know that this is the only way we are going to get out of the problem we're in right now. So it's our responsibility as scientists, as business people, as members of society to all work together efficiently to do this as human, quick as humanly possible, right? It's a modern day Manhattan project, right? That's what needs to happen to make this happen. And I got a front row seat to it. And again, trust me when I tell you, I promise each and every one of you that I've never seen these amazing men and women that work in this industry work harder and more collaboratively and root for each other to be successful. Because guys, whoever invents this thing, every single company in the world that has manufacturing capability is going to have to make it, whether they invented it or not, because it's going to think of the amount of doses it's going to take and how quickly we need to deploy that and get it into people so that we can build this population immunity that is required for us to get back to some sense of normal. And we all need it. You said so many great things there. One of the things that comes to mind is the idea that first responders used to just be, and nothing taken away from them, police, fire, army, navy. We've developed a whole new definition, a whole subset of first responders in terms of medical personnel, nurses, doctors. And dare I say, the researchers, the people in the labs, what we've been talking about, 
whose job it is 24-7 to work on this problem. Tell me again about MassBio and what kind of assistance, what kind of support you can offer small to midsize and even larger corporate you know, members who are trying to get through some of the morass of red tape and so forth. What are some of the other options and benefits to becoming a member? Well, yeah, it's a great question. Thank you for that, Jordan. I mean, at MassBio, we're the trade association, right? We don't work for government. We don't work for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We represent the 1,300 member companies in the private sector that want us to succeed in the life sciences. Our job is to be the convener. So as you can imagine, in the last 13 and a half years, I have been busier the last 12 weeks than I have in my entire career because we are the point of contact that is the in-between, the conduit to government, to connect our industry to government. We are connecting the hospitals the industry and the government. And that that our role, the team at MassBio, I'm so proud of them because our role has been more important than ever in the history of our lives. So when you look at what that does for small companies, we made sure that research and development was deemed essential uh, during this because we couldn't stop the science for other diseases. We worked with companies to connect them with the resources that they needed, whether it was in diagnostic devices, therapeutics or vaccines so that they could have access to the resources that they needed to pivot to that. Let's look at PPE, right? I mean, did anyone, all your listeners, right? Did you guys ever think you'd know so much about masks N 95 masks and gowns and swabs? We found out that because our supply chain is broken here in the U.S., that we had those heroes that you were alluding to in the front, our frontline healthcare workers weren't going to have the protection that they needed to go to work and keep people alive and care for our loved ones. How can that even be possible in this day and age? Well, it happened because we have a, a just-in-time inventory mentality when in reality we need just-in-case inventory. We don't store things anymore. We don't. We, we source our supply chain for PPE in parts of the country that were down due to this virus one month, two months, three months prior to us. There were no masks. They all come out of the China, right? The material that you make an N95 or a surgical mask with, that heat-blown material, it's kind of like a dryer sheet. We don't make it in the, in the U.S., so we couldn't get it from China even if we wanted to make masks. So what we did at MassBio to help our brothers and sisters in the healthcare industry, we immediately stood up the Massachusetts Life Science Supply Hub where we took orders from and, and we we built a portal so we knew that what all the hospitals and safety net entities and healthcare entities would need for supplies within 24 hours we built a portal and inventoried all of the supplies that we had in all the life science companies medical device companies all of our clean rooms we were able to get 200 companies to reply within 24 hours to donate all of our supplies that we had in inventory to donate them to the hospitals in need over 500 companies have chipped in to let us know what they had for supplies to denote to donate to the healthcare organizations we also had people help with supply chain using our volume and our purchasing power to get what we needed here in Massachusetts and the amazing men and women who are doctors, pharmacists, nurses, uh, lab techs, et cetera, who work in the life science industry signed up and raised their hand and said, when fatigue and illness sets in to the heroes on the front line, we're here to be the backup troops to come in and help us get through the medical surge, which we did get through valiantly. We handle emergencies pretty well in this culture, but uh, are we going to see some changes that are permanent in terms of the future? I think we are. And I think we have to. And 
you know, Jordan, let's go back to the, the old WRKO days. What, back in the day, remember they used to say make it in Massachusetts and Route 128 hey, was America's Information <laughs> Highway? You remember that? I did. I was well, on the air there at that time. I know. I remember. <laughs> and, and, and what I think is going to happen here in Massachusetts, we're, it'll allow me to get real non-technical here. We're really good at making tricky things in Massachusetts, right? Because we have a real high-end manufacturing workforce. So when you look at the fact that, you know, we do manufacture drugs here in Massachusetts, but we put them together. We don't make the ingredients. So it's called API, approved pharmaceutical ingredients. A lot of that, those ingredients, the same way that masks and gowns and swabs are made overseas, we import a lot of the ingredients to make what we make here in Massachusetts. I think you're going to see us go further down the supply chain and start manufacturing ingredients here in Massachusetts. And not only do I think we're the best place for it, do we have the best talent for it? I think it's going to be a really good for you know our economy, and it's going to be really good for patients, and it's going to be really, really good for our state of preparedness, mm. which needs to get better and will get better. Well, just one more observation for me. I would say most people within the sound of our voice who live in the greater Boston area, it's six degrees of separation or Kevin Bacon, but I would say most people know someone connected to or directly involved in life sciences in Massachusetts. It's it's a huge, important cog of industry, but it's also part of our culture, as you say. You pointed it out beautifully. This is who we are. This is what we do. That's why your organization is so critical and so important right about now. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I got a little personal with you and I talked about this success, success story as it relates to my own family and my own child with cystic fibrosis. Well, you know, now everybody really truly understands what it's like to be a patient. And I hope everybody understands that solving unmet medical needs is something that affects everybody. Sooner or later, we're all a patient right now. We're very aware of that. And the amazing men and women who go to work each and every day in the life sciences here in Massachusetts, they, they're heroes and they, they should be treated that way. And uh, the value that this industry brings to the healthcare system often uh, goes unnoticed or misunderstood by our elected officials. And I think that now people are starting to realize that this industry is the industry that can get us out of trouble and keep us healthy. And it's more important than ever. Certainly not to be taken for granted. I want to remind people, massbio.org. You can read up on all the exciting developments and all the uh, activity. There's a ton of it. Bob, thank you so much. And congratulations. What's your son's first name? He's Little Bobby, and he's 18 years old. And uh, <laughs> we're so, I can't even call him Little Bobby anymore because he's taller than me. But, you know, something, he's a joy. And, you know, even though that was a, a, a curveball that life threw us, we're grateful for, for where it's brought us and where we're at today the result of a lot of hard work, certainly hundreds of thousands in the Massachusetts, New England area who have helped your son and many others and continue to help us. Bob, just great to meet you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. I appreciate, once again, a very busy guy, Bob Coughlin, President and CEO of the Massachusetts Biotechnology Council, for joining me today. For more on what he and his colleagues are doing, and it's quite a lot, visit massbio.org. That's M-A-S-S-B-I-O, massbio.org. Well, as more and more episodes of our podcast roll out, I want to welcome listeners from all over the globe, and thank you for subscribing. Really appreciate it. Thanks as well to Ken Carberry from our home studio, Chart Productions, and to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his superb technical assistance. Until we meet again, and that will be soon, this is Jordan reminding you to be well so you can do good. Take care.